Hello, everybody, and welcome to The Broken Banquet, a podcast about missions. We are your hosts, Will Bailey and Dr. Ashley Goad, and we are so glad that you have joined us for another conversation about the church and missions, about what healthy mission relationships can look like, and as we hear from others who have dedicated their lives in one way or another to mission work. We're so glad you're here, and we hope you enjoy this episode. Hey, Will. Hey, Ashley. How was your Thanksgiving? Um, so I live in Costa Rica, <laughs> and um, they surprisingly, they're not that interested in our pilgrims and Indians. I don't know what that's about. I thought everybody around the world celebrated Thanksgiving. <laughs> Shocker. Yeah. So, you know, I, I did see one restaurant advertising in Spanish that they were going to have a Thanksgiving dinner that people could come to with turkey and stuff. Um, but, you know, it just doesn't seem like it's the same. So every year from uh, 2014 to 2016, okay, that's only three years, uh, four years, but we were in Ecuador, in Quito, Ecuador, and we would celebrate Thanksgiving while we were there because we were there for the week of Thanksgiving, and we would have guinea pig. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did they have the, like the pin where you go in? It's like choosing your lobster out of a tank. They're actually running around in the pin and you choose the one you want to eat. So no, weird. they were already in boxes, but eh, yeah, I have pictures. I'll be happy to post those on the website. I'm sure people would love to see that. Perfect. Well, hey, you know what else is going on right now? Well, but so how was your Thanksgiving? Oh, You're right. to have Thanksgiving. <laughs> <laughs> it was fine. <laughs> It was fine. Okay. Okay. So what else is going on right now? World Cup. The World Cup is going on right now. Yes, it is. Sort of controversial. The last time there was a World Cup, I was at the World Cup. Eek! Couldn't make it to Qatar this time? I couldn't make it this time, but I did have fun in Russia, and Olga and I went together with a couple of folks, and oh, we had the best time. I bet. This would have been the best World Cup to go to, except for the controversial stuff, but the fact that it's all like in one place, so you can go to one game in one stadium in the morning, and then go to another game in another stadium after lunch, and then go to a third game that night, like that's never happened before. This would have been the best. It's so compact. This would have been the most efficient World Cup to go to. You know, when it's in the States, it's gonna, you're going to have a game in the morning in Los Angeles and then a game at, you know, at lunchtime in Atlanta. That's going to be a hard one to work out. Yeah, you can't quite commute to that. Yeah, I remember the last time because Costa Rica was playing in St. Petersburg, and I was in St. Petersburg, Russia, when they were playing. But we went to the game in Yekaterinburg, uh, which was Mexico versus Sweden. Anyway, it was it was fantastic. Mm-hmm. So I'm really I'm all in for this because I have all my jerseys out, ready to go, ready to watch all the people play. <laughs> you and your jerseys. Well, <laughs> Costa Rica was the last team to qualify this time. Uh, they had to play a play-in game against New Zealand. Thank goodness they won. I don't think the New Zealanders even knew they were playing a World Cup soccer game. But anyway, uh, Costa Rica is there again, and and we're we're pretty happy about it. I think uh, I think they're a team that should be happy to just be invited to the party. You know, in Brazil, they made it to the quarterfinals, and I think that set a pretty unhealthy 
expectation <laughs> for them going forward. But we have a lot of fun. And the schedule this time is great. You know, there, there's an early game at like four in the morning, but then there's a 10 o'clock game and a one o'clock game and a four o'clock game, which is so much better than when it was in Russia. And for us, everything was, you know, it was all night long. And so it was hard to watch. Right. Well, once I figured out after traveling the world for a hot minute in my early 20s, I realized that football or soccer was the number one sport in the world. And so mm -hmm. I really needed to learn what, what soccer was all about. And this is going to be flawless. Just wait for this, Will. Okay. And so in 2013, I, of course, brought my Manchester United jersey, and they're the top soccer team in England. And so with our guest today, Dr. Patrick Marunga, he and I went to the local pub just down the road, and we watched a Manchester United game together because that is our favorite team. And so, Will, today, I can't wait for you to meet Patrick. That was perfection, Ashley. I'm so proud of you. We have come so far in the last couple of months. I think this is just this is a finely tuned, precision operating podcast. <laughs> That's what it is. That's exactly what it is. Hey, Said we did no one ever. <laughs> we did have the number one podcast uh, in religion and spirituality in New Zealand for a hot minute. Yeah, and. It was because 13 people listened to it, which basically means no one in New Zealand listens to religious podcasts, which makes sense when it's a country that only apparently four people really care about religion. So we're thankful for those, no, not four people, 4% of the people. Um, but yeah, it's been really fun to see the sort of statistics and, and to see the map of where people are tuning in and listening and... Um, yeah, good stuff. Well, today, hopefully, we'll finally get the dot on the map for Kenya, because that is where Dr. Patrick Marunga is from. And we got to interview him. It was 11 o'clock or 11.30 p.m. our time, and it was 7.30 in the morning his time. So if we sound a little groggy, listeners, forgive us. I was pretty jet lagged still from having just gotten back to Costa Rica. I'm not sure whether or not that's going to be noticeable, but, but it's a great interview. I'm so thankful for him and for the things that he shared with us and that everybody's going to get to, to hear it. Yeah. So without further ado, let us introduce to you, Dr. Patrick Marunga. Mm -hmm. Patrick, you can't see me, but I'm happy to see you. I'm, uh, having some technical difficulties tonight in Costa Rica. You, you, you cannot, you're not allowed to have technical difficulties. It's only me who's allowed to have those difficulties. Uh, I wish you were right. Uh, I am very frustrated with my technical difficulties right now, but I can see you and I can hear you loud and clear. So thank you so much for, for doing this with us. That is great. That's great. Good to see you, Ashley. Good to see you too, Patrick. I was thinking about when the last time was that I saw you, and I was thinking that it was it was just like this. We were uh -huh. on a screen together. Yes. <laughs> when was the, this? The year was twenty. Uh, would it be fifteen or sixteen? I'm guessing sixteen. And I was in Russia, and it was two o'clock in the morning, and I was defending my dissertation. <laughs> oh, yes, yes. And I was sitting in, making sure that you pass. 
Yes, and you you passed me through. Thank thank God for that. Yeah, wow, that was a long time ago. I I, I still had some hair. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was also thinking today about the uh-huh. first time I met you, mm-hmm. and that was in London, England, and that London. was that was nine years ago. Nine years ago, September. Wow! 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 That's a long time ago. <laughs> it was, but uh-huh. I will. I remember it because you and I went for a walk. Mm-hmm. And we were you. So I should tell Will. Uh, yes. Will Patrick was my advisor for my uh, doctoral work for my doctor of ministry. Uh-huh. Um, so so he was assigned to me my very first day mm-hmm. uh, uh, at George Fox Seminary. And Patrick and I were walking and he was like, so what do you want to study? And it was like the first day of school kind of thing. (laughs) And I said, I don't know. So I started naming out all these things. And the next day we were walking again. And Patrick, I will never forget this. Mm -hmm. You, You said to me, Ashley, stop thinking about what other people want you to do and start looking into your heart to see what it is God wants you to study. Wow, wow, that, that's even inspira- inspirational to me. I don't remember it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you said it. You said it, and it stuck with me. Uh-huh. And it stuck with me not just not just for my doctoral research, mm-hmm. but it stuck with me as a life lesson of stop listening to all these outside forces yes. Yes. that are so loud, mm-hmm. but but listen to what God is saying to your heart and let him guide you. So Thank you, Patrick. Yeah, you're welcome. I'm, I'm glad to know to, to hear that. And you have actually pursued what your heart desired. And I'm glad to know that you're where you, God has wanted you to be. Uh, I know you travel quite a bit. I know your heart is for missions. And we talked quite a bit with, with uh, what even, remember Michael? Michael oh, Patrick? Yeah. Yes, yes, we talked quite a bit with that, with him on that. And uh, just the interaction, I think it was it was great. And for me, I'm, I'm so grateful to know that you have pursued what God wanted you to pursue mm. and you are where God wants you to be. And uh, there couldn't be a better place for you to be other than where God wants you to be. And she hasn't just pursued it. Uh, she has excelled at it. I am sure she has. Yeah, I always try to see her on Facebook as much as I don't care for Facebook. I see where she's traveled, where she's been. And uh, that's usually very exciting to know what she's doing. And I go, yes, that was my student. Oh, so good. Well, Patrick, why, I'm going to let you introduce yourself to Will. Uh, yes. Just t- tell him a little bit about who you are and mm-hmm. where you are right now. And Okay. Um, well, for you to know that my name is, uh, is Patrick, Patrick Morunga. Patrick Morunga, born some uh, 60 or so years ago. Uh, I live in Kenya. I became a Christian some uh, huh, 40 years ago. And I have walked with the Lord. I felt called to full time. Actually, I was never called. I never felt called to being a pastor. I always felt called to be a missionary. And uh, in some way, then I, I mean, I got, I felt called to be a missionary. And I was in the remote, I went to the remotest parts of Kenya to, uh, to preach, to teach, and mm. to do the things that Christians that have been called to do. Uh, but while there, and this was way back before I was ever trained. I had not had any formal training, theological training. I was straight from high school. And here I was feeling called to, to preach. And so I was doing it. But then I met some 
friends who are missionaries. They came from uh, Switzerland, Switzerland and Germany, and uh, asked me. Okay, actually, I took them out on a on a mission trip, and uh, I guess I impressed them what I was doing. And uh, they asked me if I've been trained in what I do, and I said no, I've never gotten any training. And so I spent about a month with them, and after a month, they, when they were leaving, going back to Switzerland, they thought, actually, it was a Bible school. It's called, it was New Life Bible School in Switzerland. And so they felt that, uh, they asked if I would ever want to go to, to training. I said, yes, I would. So anyway, I went, they, 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 they decided that if I ever decided to go for training, they would sponsor me. They would make sure that I go to Bible college. Mm-hmm. In fact, they wanted me to go to Switzerland for my training, and I didn't feel that I wanted to go out of the country for that training, particularly my initial training. And so when it was time for me to go to Bible college, I went to Bible college, and I was there for four years. And all through, I knew I had been called to be a missionary. And so if anybody called me, you know, because in Bible colleges, they always are kidding calling new names. And so they would call me pastor. And I would get very angry with anybody that called me pastor. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so anyhow, I, I, I graduated and uh, I actually did not have, my church did not have a place for me to minister. And so I worked at the children's home for about a year and a half, but all along I did not feel that I was doing that which I was called to do. And so I went back to my leadership and said, no, I don't think I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. And uh, so an opening came up in, in a church. And so I went to this church. Uh, and, and by the way, it was, it was missionaries that pursued me and they felt that I needed to come to this particular church because of the training that I had had. And initially, I didn't want to go to this church because it wasn't my church. It was uh, a church that sponsored the Bible college that I went to. And so, anyway, eventually I got to, with these missionaries prodding and insisting and always following up on me, I ended up at this church. And guess what? I ended up being a pastor. Shocking. <laughs> <laughs> but all through, I felt that I was, uh, I, I needed to change the, 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 what, the trajectory that the church had taken because all through this church for the last maybe at that time, about 15, between 15 and 20 years, the church had been missionary-led. And so I thought this should be the last missionary that would be his pastor in this church. And so when he went for sabbatical, or should I say when he went for follow, about for about a year, I was actually asked to take over from him. And uh, then I did a stint of one year, and uh, he came back. No, no, actually he didn't come back. What happened? He hadn't raised enough funds to come back. And so they asked him to, they asked me to stay on. But I didn't feel I wanted to stay on because we were actually church planting. We had planted another church and I was giving oversight to that church. And that is the church I wanted to go to. But uh, the leadership prevailed on me and uh, voila, there I was. There I was uh, as, as pastor of this church. But after about four years, I actually did come to the U.S. for training. I went to, at that time, it was Western Evangelical Seminary. I did my uh, master's degree there, master's in divinity. I stayed there for, actually, my wife also pursued uh, some education, did counseling psychology. And at that time, many of the churches that I was helping in, 
wanted me to stay. In fact, there are two churches. I was called to go to a church in Spokane, Washington. I was given a church in, in Oregon City. And I said, uh-uh, I did not come to pastor churches in the U.S. I came to train. And uh, actually, my mantra was, I came to go. I came mm-hmm. to go. So, okay, came back to Nairobi, Kenya, and uh, took over, actually, that church. Because when I went, they did bring in another pastor. And this time, they brought in an Irish pastor who we could hardly understand. His English <laughs> was very different from what we were used to. And uh, so he was, he'd been there, so I came and took over from him. Um, uh, and uh, I think, I guess, the rest is history. The rest is, but, okay, one of the things that I did, determined at that time was that Good Shepherd Church will stop being a missionary receiving church and it will be a missionary sending church. Wow. And so we started by for, for, for we started to have what I call the mission month. And every October to this day, every October the church has missions month. It actually recruits uh, missionaries, national missionaries. We go to mission uh, places with with with, with uh, the people that are recruited just to sensitize them to missions. Uh, and in fact, Good Shepherd Church became the flagship of missions. In, uh, in the Africa Gospel Church and many other churches. And so you see, I was a missionary. And uh, even coming back to Good Shepherd Church, I became one who would be a catalyst to turning the church into a missions church. So actually, Good Shepherd Church is known as a missions church. I am married. I am married to Beatrice Murunga. She's a, she's a, a psychology teacher, teaching counseling psychology at a university, a local university here also trained in the U.S. She's actually currently doing her Ph.D. studies uh, from the same university that she's teaching. We have three boys, three boys who are seven, seven, seven years apart. Uh, my, my eldest son is thinking of getting married this year. No, next mm-hmm. year, next year, next year. Congratulations. Yeah, next year. My middle son is in the U.S., He's, uh, he's, he, lives, he lives in a place called Milwaukee, and he's studying there. Then my last child is the one I've just dropped out to school. He's in high school, finishing this year, and hopefully going to university next year. And then the, our house will be empty. We'll be empty nesters, and we'll see what, what we do with ourselves. <laughs> He was such a baby the last time I saw pictures of him. Yes, I should tell you his pictures. He's a tall man. He's actually he thinks he's taller than me, but I've told him if he get, gets any taller, I will I will ground him for a very long time. So he, he'll be <laughs> <laughs> of course he doesn't listen. But about 12, 12, 13 years ago, I retired from Good Shepherd Church. I left Good Shepherd Church and uh, handed over to a young man. And this was out of conviction. I always felt that, uh, in, and, and that is what we all, many people say this, you know, you mentor young people and you tell them you are leaders of the future, but the future never seems to come. Mm-hmm. And so for me, my, my future came and I retired at a very early age. And many people were surprised why I was retiring. And they thought that I actually had something that I, I was a plan, I had planned to go to. I did not. I just knew it was time to, resi- to retire. And I think even it might have been the time I was with you guys 
in yes. uh, in the U.S. Right? Yeah, I think yes. it was. Yeah, yeah. So anyhow, I, I retired from 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 that uh, from Good Shepherd Church. Currently, I am doing what we call the leadership connection. The ministry is to pastors. One of the things that God has given me is to you know uh, relationships, and I, I I felt felt very strongly that the pastors were not being pastored. Uh, mm-hmm. And so I, th- I thought that I should become a minister to ministers. So that is what I'm doing. But besides that, I am here in this office, the office of uh, Light of Africa. Light of Africa is a ministry, stroke social responsibility, stroke charity, stroke you name it. So we do evangelism. Actually, the, the flagship of our ministry is evangelism training. And then we have other departments where we serve the church by helping those that I need, either financially or otherwise. And so that is that is basically what I'm doing right now, both a, di- a director with Light of Africa and a director with uh, the Leadership Connection. And I feel like in the middle of somewhere there too, you were like the president of a theological school. Yes, yes. After, <laughs> <laughs> after I finished, yes. After, after I finished at Good Shepherd Church, uh, somebody kept, you know, pushing me to go and be president of a theological institution about it's about seven hours from Nairobi and I resisted that and uh, I, I actually when I left Good Shepherd Church I went and worked with a ministry called World World Relief and I was there for one year until the president came and was wondering what is pastoring pastors doing in World Relief relieving people and so they did decided to fold that office. And that is when I went to the theological institution, and I was there for about three and a half years. And but it came to it became too much for me traveling back and forth, and I have a family in Nairobi. So after three and a half years, I actually did give that up. And uh, I'm, I'm in Nairobi now. I'm in Nairobi doing this that I'm doing. And and just for for everyone to know, we it is eleven fifty one p.m. On mm-hmm. Tuesday, mm-hmm. it is seven fifty-one a.m. on Wednesday. Yes, for, yes, for seven fifty-one. It is you who's, yeah. It is you guys who are there, uh, going to midnight, Ashley. Right? Yes, indeed, mm-hmm. indeed. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Poor, yeah. Will Will just got back from a trip to visit some supporting churches, and mm-hmm. uh, so he's fresh off an airplane, and Ooh. I uh, I forgot about that for him, but but we thank Where's, him. Where, where, will, where are you at? I am in Costa Rica. Uh, I'm from North Carolina <laughs> originally in the United States, okay. and uh, uh-huh. I've been serving the Methodist Church of Costa Rica since 2003. So uh, we okay. have a, a ministry center here and, and work with volunteer teams that come down and partner with, with local churches here. Um, so uh, just mm. listening to your story already has, has given me a lot of things to think about. I have questions, but I don't want to derail wow. the conversation quite yet. So, <laughs> so that is my story. That is my story. Thank you. Good story, Patrick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what a full life in ministry you have had. So one of the questions that I wanted to ask when I was listening to your story, you mentioned several times yes. um, the role that, that missionaries played in your life uh, from early on. Mm-hmm. Who who mm-hmm. was sending those missionaries to 
Kenya? Was it a specific organization or was it different organizations? Mm-hmm. How were those contacts being made? Okay, I, I when 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 I finished high school, there's a German German mission organization that is actually it's called Die Gute Nachricht. Die Gute Nachricht shortened to Diguna, but Die Gute Nachricht basically means the good news. Mm-hmm. And so they 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 came and we joined with them, and they particularly liked using young people because of the energy of the young people. So in fact, for me, I would say I'm a product of missionaries because mm. when I became a believer, okay, somebody else led me to Christ. But when I rededicated my life and felt distinctly called to mission was through a missionary who was preaching to me. And this missionary came through a ministry called Word of Life. Okay, then going to Bible college, many of those that were lecturers were missionaries. Uh, I still remember one of the, my best lecturers in theology. Uh, basically, our theology is one called O.E. Joseph. O.E. Joseph was, he has left a mark in our lives. You know, many of us who went to the Kenya Highlands Bible College will always think and talk of O.E. Joseph. He left a mark on us. And then, of course, when I left from, uh, when I graduated from high school, I mean, not high school, when I graduated from the theological institution, it was a missionary who said, come, come and help us. Uh, and, and then when I was, when the missionary was actually leaving and I said, uh, I wanted to go elsewhere, the missionary said, no, stay, come and take over this church, take over from them, from me as a missionary, I feel that you are, you are able to. And so I can say that indeed I'm a product of missionaries. And the missionaries that, uh, the ones in the Bible college, the ones that were teaching me and even the ones that, you know, encouraged me to take on Good Shepherd Church on a full-time basis were missionaries that were sent by, uh, actually, the one who was was uh, a Nazarene. No, was he a Nazarene? No, he was a free Methodist. He was a free Methodist. He he, he felt that I, I, I could take over from him. And in fact, I think I really had favor from these missionaries. I was from out of tribe. You know, many of the churches in Africa are centered around tribes because when, 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 when uh, in, the, in the 1800s, there's what they called division, the, the, the division of Africa. Mm-hmm. And so the colonialists, when they were dividing the continent, dividing the countries, they would take, say, the Methodists and they would take them to a certain area. They would mm-hmm. have the, 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 the Pentecostals send them to a certain area, the SDS, certain area. So you'll find that these churches, like for my church, is actually domiciled in the Rift Valley, which is Kalenjin. You know, I wasn't supposed to be in this church, but it's missionaries who brought me on. And then even because this denomination at that time never ordained anybody that had not been married for 500 years. I'm kidding. <laughs> That's a very small pool you know, of you candidates. Had, <laughs> you, you had you had to be quite old for you to be ordained. And for me, just getting married, and then the missionaries decided to have me ordained, and they pushed the leadership and pushed the leadership so that I became the youngest ordained minister within the uh, the Africa Gospel Church, and then the youngest minister of a big church within the Africa Gospel Church. And Good Shepherd became actually the flagship 
of the denomination and it still is a flagship of the denomination. So it was missionaries from uh, combined effort of missionaries from both uh, the Methodist Church, Free Methodist Church, and the Nazarene Church that uh, that that had an impact in my life. Oh, are those kinds of mission relationships still active and and a part of of the the lives of the local churches there, or is that something that they've gotten away from now? Okay, we we do not have missionaries directly involved in churches because mm-hmm. I think we came we came to a point that uh, of course others and the U.S. truly that felt that the church had come of age to be Excellent. able to 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 yeah to minister. And you see, for me, I really had a challenge when I got into the leadership. I did not know that the funds to run the church, it was a missionary who was raising from his home country and coming to use those funds in the church until I took over. And I started struggling financially. And we really struggled, you know. For those days, oh, a hinge, a hinge on the door was broken. It was a phone call away, and the U.S. sent the dollars, and the hinge was fixed. You know, oh, we we were short of finances here. It was only a phone call away, and it was it was taken care of. Suddenly, that missionary is not there, mm-hmm. and it is this local person who has no idea where the funds were coming from. Is hit with that reality that the the, the running of that church has to be financed locally. And I remember after about uh, two or three years of struggling, you know, it's a light bulb moment where I got that light bulb moment and thought, you know, you guys, we can do this. I look in the parking lot and I see the cars that are parked in the parking lot. I look at the people that are coming and they're not, you know, small time guys. And so I told my treasurer, in fact, my former treasurer, I saw him jogging this morning and I I remembered that and I want to call him and remind him what we did. And so it was, um, I think it was in 1999, July, and we decided that that month was going to be an all tights. Do you know that Sunday? That one Sunday, we collected more money than we had collected that year from January to the previous Sunday of that July. And so I was convinced that if people are taught, if people are told what they need to do, they will turn things around. Mm-hmm. And so we started actually pushing uh, for missionaries to be involved elsewhere, you know, like maybe uh, buildings, maybe training in remoter areas, but mm-hmm. not direct church involvement. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so that is what happened. We still have missionaries. I think we have the largest pool of missionaries, but many of them, almost 80% or 70% are medical people. And we have mm-hmm. a hospital, which is one of the largest 10 work hospital, and uh, it specializes in a lot of things. We have many of our missionaries there. So what I heard you say there of really important things mm-hmm. um, is that number one, you made the switch from being missionary-led churches to 
the members leading their own church. Yes. And I think that's a huge part of church planting in general mm-hmm. and uh, healthy relationships between missionaries knowing when it's time to leave and mm-hmm. knowing when it's time to hand over things to the community, mm-hmm. um, which they've been a part of. And two, I keep thinking about October being missions month mm-hmm. and you training up leaders of your church to go out and be missionaries. Mm-hmm. Can you talk about how you prepare them to go mm-hmm. out into uh, other parts of Kenya or other villages um, or okay. other countries? Can, let, me, let me talk about what I did with people at Good Shepherd Church. Yeah. One of the things that I like to do is not just to teach up there, but I like to do it myself. For example, the one that took over from me, I would actually take him everywhere and anywhere with me. And the goal was not that I'm taking him and telling him, uh, this is what you will be doing. No, I just take them around and uh, I want them to observe what is happening. And uh, yeah, so it was not just from teaching, but also taking them. And I know for that, that the first the first time we did missions, we went to the remotest part. And this, this guy, the missionary in the local place, had to walk for several days to get to his station. And it, the terrain was bad. And so I thought, you guys, we have to do something. And we bought him a four-wheel drive the following year. And that was a first, you know, in the, in the, in the, in the denomination. But what I did was to take the people there. And then also we had classes. Um, we've had classes we call Mizizi. Mizizi me basically meaning roots. And in Mizizi, part of what we did was to emphasize missions teaching. And that is something that was happening within Bible studies that we had set up. And so as a, denomina- as a church, not as a denomination, as a church, we had things that we were going through, and not only would these things be taught in Bible studies, but these things would be taught at the church level. So that, say, for example, if we are talking about missions today, uh, you know, talking about going into the world, you'll have that Bible study started by the pastor on the Sunday, and then during the week, you delve into that deeply with the leaders. We, have, we had prepared material. Um, yeah, so basically that is what, but that's how we, 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 we nurtured and made missionaries out of our people. Mm-hmm. Mm. And one of the things you talked about when we were in Hong Kong, mm-hmm. uh, you gave an outstanding presentation about what missions is, what partnerships mm-hmm. look like, what healthy partnerships look like, and how much mm-hmm. damage missionaries have done, especially in Africa, Eastern Mm. Africa, uh, Mm. over the years, Mm. and how you're being a part of making sure that going forward, that it's nothing but healthy partnerships. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, Do you remember that? Do you remember that presentation? I don't know. It was like seven (laughs) years ago. (laughs) No, I do, because at that time, I was very passionate at uh, what was happening. Um, And I I think sometimes we were missionaries, Missionaries have the attitude that uh, the nationals don't know. We know it all. 
Mm-hmm. And so there's that patronizing attitude that you have with, with missionaries. But for me, as, as I speak, I, I, I feel very strongly, and I think I even used this, this term, it was, uh, was it the, the woman at the well who at the time met Jesus. What does Jesus tell, tell this woman? Jesus tells her everything about herself, tells about her lifestyle. He says, even the guy that you are living with is not your husband. And at the end of that conversation, the woman gives her life to Christ. The the next thing that you see is that the woman runs into town and she's telling everybody. And people start believing. And one of the statements that she makes, it it is not because you have said, but I have seen, I have beheld with my own eyes that this Jesus is real. And so for us, we come from the perspective that, yes, missionary, you told us about Jesus Christ. Yes, you took your time. You risked your lives. You came, you told us about Jesus Christ. Now, we believe not because you have told us. We believe because we have seen Jesus Christ for ourselves. And if we have seen Jesus Christ for ourselves, Mm. will you allow us to translate Jesus Christ that we know to our own people in our own context, in our own language. And so that is where, for me, I believe very strongly wow. that uh, we, we as, 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 as Christian, Kenyan Christian believers, that is what God has called us to do. Yes, we thank God for the missionaries. And that is a history that we will never throw out. We will never you know, uh, wash it down downstream. No, we are part and parcel of Western missions. But we have come to the place where we have beheld Jesus Christ. And we can share Jesus Christ with our own people in our own context and with our own words. And they are more able to understand us better than now with the Westerners coming to tell us about Jesus Christ. Amen. <laughs> That's amazing. Mm-hmm. And it just makes so much sense. Yeah. It's just, it's so logical. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Ugh. Yeah, I was waiting fantastic. for Will. So I remembered you telling the story about the woman <laughs> at the well. And that's yes. Will's favorite uh, passage to teach from, especially uh-huh. in a missions context. Yeah, and so I yeah. had not told him uh-huh. what you had taught about. So I was eagerly <laughs> anticipating uh, you talking about that. And I can see his face because I've got a little camera on Will uh-huh. and uh, to see his face. And yeah. it's wonderful. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Well played, Ashley. Well played. <laughs> I, I love. How, I like how you set that up. Yeah, um, yeah great. Yeah, because I mean that's one of the one of the things that's important to us in our this ministry that that we're in charge of in Costa Rica mm. is understanding that we can't be in ministry with the people around us mm-hmm. unless we see them yeah. first. Yeah. We have to take the time to see the people around us. And I feel like that's really the gift that Jesus gave to the Samaritan mm-hmm. woman was he, he saw her. Mm-hmm. Uh, it wasn't yeah. necessarily the words that he spoke to her that changed her life. It was mm-hmm. the fact that when nobody else had ever seen her, mm-hmm. none of the men that she had been mm-hmm. with, none of the other women in the community, mm-hmm. um, Jesus saw mm-hmm. her. And that was all she mm-hmm. needed. Mm-hmm. Um, and it reminds me, I was privileged to spend three months in South Africa while I was in yeah, seminary, okay. serving with the Methodist Church of Southern Africa. Uh-huh. And one of the things, so when I when I went, 
I had decided that I was going to learn how to speak Zulu while I was there. <laughs> okay. Um, you know, in three months. In three right? months, this, good try. Yeah, uh-huh. it makes no sense. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So the only, the only Zulu word that I learned over those three months was Sawubona. Uh-huh. I see you. I see you, yes. You know? And I just think that's what a, what a wonderful way to greet people by just acknowledging the fact that they're they're right mm-hmm. there. I mm-hmm. see you. Mm-hmm. And so I've always tied that word to, I said, that's what Jesus gave the Samaritan woman was Sawobona. He, he saw her. I was talking to Ashley earlier. You know, I, that's one of the things I learned in South Africa. Of course, I heard a lot about Ubuntu. Mm-hmm. You know, I am because we yeah. are that, that those sort of ideas. And, and that there's some really powerful ideas there that I think have a lot to teach the church. Mm-hmm. But I'm curious also, you know, I'm a, I'm a middle-class mm-hmm. white guy mm-hmm. from Eastern North Carolina. Mm-hmm. Is there danger in me taking from those kinds of ideas mm-hmm. that are so deeply, uniquely African mm-hmm. and trying to apply them, in my case, to a ministry in Central America, is there a good and healthy and safe way for me to yeah, do I, those I think, things? Think, or yes. is that cultural appropriation at its worst mm-hmm. and I should just not touch that stuff? Do you know yeah, what I mean? I, I hear, yeah. I hear, I hear what you mean, but I think, you know, it is, it is biblical. It's biblical because when you talk about Ubuntu, mm-hmm. when you talk about I see you, it has to do with relationship. Africans, we mm-hmm. relate together. We eat together. We do things together. And that is a very biblical concept. Think about uh, mm-hmm. God the Father, mm-hmm. God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. What does God's, you know, God's, for me, I always, I've always felt very strongly that God works best in relationships. You see, in the Western world, we are very individualistic, and that is one of the things that I I I I, I had to learn. Because when when Absolutely, you when yeah. in the in the US, it is I'm buying my pop, I'm buying my muffin. But you see here, when you somebody buys a muffin, he will not just eat it by himself. He wants to cut a piece of that muffin mm-hmm. and give it to you so that we are relating in that way. Again, that is a concept of I see you when I hand something to you. We are in this together. Mm -hmm. It is fellowship. It is a relationship. We grow in relationships. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit work best in relationship. Because what did did they say? Let us... It was in letting us that you and I were created, right? And God knows that in relationships, you thrive, you succeed. Think about it. And I've I've, I've preached this message before. Mm -hmm. When he wanted uh, lions to succeed, what did he do? He constructed a pride, a pride of lions, so that the pride of lions hands together. They are a team, you know. <clears throat> this is, I always say, this one is, a, is, is I don't know, it's, it's an oxymoron almost. 
they, they talk about a parliament or a congress of baboons. I don't know how baboons can make a congress, but <laughs> they are in, in this together. You get what I'm saying? And so it is in relationships, it is in fellowships that we are able to grow, we are able to move the kingdom of God forward. And so I, th I think for you, uh, Will, it is biblically anchored, starting from the Old Testament. So the issue of mm -hmm. Ubuntu, the issue mm -hmm. of I see you, it is anchored in the Bible. And so for you taking that and sharing it with your people in Costa Rica, I don't think it is out of place. It is a biblical concept. Well, that's one thing that you taught me, Patrick, was yeah. as we were walking through those three years of, um, of me writing about partnerships and what mm -hmm. that looks like, it all came down to relationship. I, I heard you saying that you are a pastor to the missionaries. You are a mm -hmm. pastor, a missionary pastor. to the missionaries. Mm -hmm. Yeah, a pastor mm -hmm. to the pastors. Mm -hmm. And I, I feel like that that's, uh, now that I'm, nine years removed from starting that uh, starting that research that you and I walked along and mm -hmm. you calling me to follow my heart and what God was calling me to, that mm -hmm. what our missions ministry at my church has evolved into is that we are pastors to missionaries. And so yeah. we are providing this pastoral care mm -hmm. and uh, being relationship for these missionaries that are mm -hmm. serving day in and day out mm -hmm. um, so that they can feel empowered, encouraged for the longevity to endure the relationships that they're in and the communities that they are mm -hmm. in so that they feel like they have the undergirding um, of someone holding holding on to them and mm -hmm. giving them the strength uh, to, to keep going on. So I appreciate you instilling that in me to make sure that I see all yeah. of the people that we work with and the people that are serving all over the world. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Well, I feel like we could talk to you all day, Patrick. Do you want to keep uh, keep going, Will? You good? I, I've, well, yeah, I do have something else that I wanted to ask Patrick. Yes. Um, mm -hmm. I'm not sure how much Ashley talked to you, Patrick, before uh, before we we did this interview. But um, this podcast is called The Broken Banquet, uh -huh. and we're calling it mm -hmm. that as as an acknowledgement that you know there is this perfect holy banquet mm -hmm. that we have all been invited to, that Jesus has invited us to all sit at the same table. Mm -hmm. And um, as perfect and holy as that is on a sacramental level and on a spiritual level, mm -hmm. we also know that on a practical level, in reality, the banquet is broken. Mm -hmm. um, we, we have not always done a very good job of, of honoring what is perfect about the mm -hmm. banquet. And I'm wondering what you see as the role that that missionaries, whether it's the missionaries coming from outside into a community or the missionaries that are being developed within the community to be sent out. What do you think is the role that that we as missionaries through these relationships can play in repairing what is broken about this banquet? Mm. Does that make sense? Yes, yes. I think one of the things that for 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 you white guys, you know, coming <laughs> coming into the mission field, one of the things, and you you said it, you went you went to South Africa, determined that you learn Zulu in three months, and you, <laughs> <laughs> yes. how wrong you are, 
And I think that is sometimes a mentality that we come with into the mission field, thinking, I'm going into that, I will know all that they, they need to know, and then I will become the expert. And I think that is something that uh, mm. Americans love. They come into a context and they stay there for three, four, even 20 years. And they decide that they have become, you know, the experts in that field. So they are writing away and to the, to the ignorance, to ignoring the local people, you know, so that, and so that even when other missionaries are coming in, the reference is not to the locals. The reference is to the expert, you know. Uh, so mm. for me, in that regard, I would that, you know, you don't become experts. Uh, you don't become experts. You just become who you are. And, you know, what I've always believed is that the largest room that there is, is a room of improvement. In other words, you're constantly learning. Mm. You're constantly being educated mm -hmm. and being born in that culture. Yes, you'll know things about that culture. I mean, not being born in that culture. Yes, you'll know things about that culture, but you'll never be, a, you'll never be an expert. So for me, I think it's a posture of learning, mm -hmm. you know, giving yourself the posture of learning, uh, giving yourself, and, you know, observation. And you, you'll tell that even in Jesus' ministry, that is what he always did, you know. He always observed, he looked at the context and then addressed issues from that, that context. So I think for us as missionaries, and even for us, you know, Kenyan missionaries going to different contexts, that is what we need to, do, to learn. Never experts, but always having the posture of learning. Humility instead of arrogance. Yes. Well put. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well put, yeah. Patrick, what's one thing you wish we had asked you? Ooh, I don't know. <laughs> for me, I think for me, I'm, I'm always open when it comes to missions. Whatever you ask, I'm, I'm ready to, to give an answer. Uh, and I, I hope this is not the last time I'm interacting with you. Yeah, so I hope you can, you can have me again interact with you. Who are you following in football right now? Oh, of course, my team is always Manchester United. Exactly. Yes. I was so thankful for that Chelsea draw the other day. Oh, what is that? Whoa. Oh, I was there glued to the TV and thinking, what is happening? And then Casimiro does us the good thing, heading that ball in. Oh, that was, it made my oh. night. <laughs> oh, it was so great. It was so great. Yeah. I still remember being uh, in London and we mm -hmm. went to go, we went to a pub and watched a game and yes. I had on my, my Rooney jersey at the time and <laughs> I've got my Rashford jersey now. Okay, so okay, I like it much okay, okay. Wow, you, wow, you, we are together in that. That's our team. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Oh, great, you guys. I think well, it is 8.34 here yeah, in the morning. It's after midnight here, but let me say this. Uh, one of my favorite captions that I use on pictures mm -hmm. is, these are people I love. And Patrick, mm -hmm. you are certainly one of these people that I love. So uh, thank, thank you. you so much for all that you've meant to my life and walking with me on a big educational journey and for teaching me so very much. So I really appreciate thank you and all that you have done for me. So thank you. Thank you, Dr. Ashley. Thank you, Dr. Marunga. <laughs>
thank you guys you guys have a great day and it's been actually it's been great seeing you again will it's great meeting you and may the lord bless you in the, in the things that you do and we'll touch base again okay amen thank you so much look forward okay, to thanks, it patrick okay, bye bye Well, that's a, probably the third or fourth time I've listened to this episode, this interview with Patrick. And every time I come away with just going, wow, I am so thankful that God put Dr. Patrick Marunga in my life. His progression from being converted through relationships with European missionaries to training for church leadership and then becoming a pastor and then recognizing that his church, that Good Shepherd Church should not be a missionary receiving church anymore, but instead should be a missionary sending church. Holy cow blew my mind. And because of his leadership, because of his vision, and because of his faithfulness of his calling from God, he was able to lead his church through that transition. And I am forever grateful for just hearing that message, for knowing who Patrick is, and for having him be a part of my life. Yeah. Yeah. There was, gosh, there's so much there. Um, Obviously, his experience is his experience. And it was so nice to hear firsthand from someone in his shoes who could recognize that there was good that came from his interaction with European missionaries in Africa. When so often the stories that we hear is just the, you know, the disasters that happened, but for him to be able to tell in his words how good that was for him, but then also to watch as he grows and matures in his faith to get to the point of saying that was good and helpful at that time, but now it's time for us to do something different. And um, I think, it, yeah, I loved that. I loved um, hearing that from him and and hearing a different side of the story. And obviously we're not using him as an example and saying, see, you know, it's always good, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> but, but it's nice to know that sometimes it is, um, sometimes it is good. So right. yeah, I, I really appreciated him sharing that. Yeah. And he also talked about relationships a lot that, He felt like pastors weren't being pastored very well, um, that missionaries weren't being uh, cared for very well, and that he wanted to take that on to become a minister to ministers. But it always kept coming back to relationships. Yeah. And towards the end, when he sort of rooted that in Trinitarian theology and how everything started with this relationship between the Trinity that, you know, it's so hard to to get our heads around it. It's so hard to describe accurately what that relationship, um, you know, is. And, and I think, you know, people much smarter than myself have been struggling with that from the beginning, but, but for him to hold up the, the relationship between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, if that's what it all started with, then it makes sense that when we are in right relationships, we're sort of tapping into that um, that original 
creative goodness. And so, yeah, that was, that was great. I was so glad that that's what he brought everything back to uh, as we got towards the end of the interview. Well, I sure do hope that we get to speak with him again. I think that I still have so much to learn from Patrick and I think our listeners have so much that they could still learn. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I'd love to have him back. I hope we can. Well, it's been a good day with you, Will. Yeah, it was good to see you, Ashley. I'm glad we got through that late night interview. Uh, it sounded like we were somewhat coherent. Um, so that's a good, I call that a win. Um, but it was great to see you and we'll see you again soon. Bye, Will. Bye, Ashley. You've been listening to The Broken Banquet a podcast by Will Bailey and Ashley Goad. Music provided by Irene and the Sleepers. Join us next week for another episode. He's prepared the table. All things are ready. Come to the feast.